Well, look at that. Just like that, it is another Friday as we kick off a weekend here on the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. All right, Adam, it's good to be with you this fine Friday. And as you and I have discussed um, many times before, one of the things we most love about podcasting together is the opportunity to bring in guests to share their story of God's grace and, and the way that God has worked in their lives. And I got to say, um, a lot of times social media gets a bad rap because people post a lot of things on Facebook that uh, border on inappropriate or they just get into Facebook arguments that no one's going to win. Uh, but Facebook has some good things that happen too. And, and this guest that we're going to talk to today, um, Ashlyn Woodward, is someone that I met on Facebook um, through another person that I met on Facebook. Um, so we've, we haven't met in person, but I've heard um, a good part of her story of how God has worked um, with her through a serious illness. And so I asked her to come and share with us tonight. But before she does that, Adam, uh, will you open our show with our quote of the day? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That comes from James 1, verses 2 through 4. And I think as we get into today's interview, you'll find that that's a very appropriate scripture. And I'm sure Adam is thankful that there were no big words. (laughs) I was. uh, (laughs) Speaking of patience. (laughs) In that uh, verse, for those who don't know, that's a long-running joke between he and I, uh, because the scriptures quoted are from the King James Version. And sometimes I challenge his vernacular. <laughs> so, without further ado, um, welcome to the show, Ashlyn. I'm very excited to have you here. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, uh, in your one of the in your last uh, video that I saw, the update, um, I was particularly uh, struck by the fact that you have. Talked about how God has worked in your life through this struggle, and how even though there have been some hard times, you really wouldn't have it any other way. And so that's kind of what we want to focus the show on today: um, is how you've triumphed through suffering. Uh, it's kind of a recurring theme here uh, because it's really my story as well. I'm I'm physically disabled. I'm in a wheelchair, and so I I face. Um, physical challenges every day of my life, and so I can relate to you at least on some level, um, though I have never um, experienced a terminal illness, um, so I can't relate to that. Um, but um, let's start out with a simple one. Can you tell us a little about, bit about your family and what it was like to grow up with them? Uh, my family. My family is great, actually. They are my number one supporters, and they're kind of all who I have. Um, growing up, some people go through either they have big families or small families. Uh, my family is relatively small, so it's just my parents, my mother's grand, my mother's parents, um, my dad's mom, and then uh, my two siblings, of course. But kind of growing up, it was a normal childhood. I was always the rambunctious, happy-go-lucky child. I was the healthiest one of them all. Um, I was always into everything, so I'd always be hands-on or let me help you. I mean, I was just a happy, very happy child, and 
it was a great childhood. My parents, you know, did everything for us and tried to give us the best life growing up possible. And they're just, they're wonderful people. So where do you fall in the birth order? Are you the oldest? I have the oldest sister who is 27, and then I will be 22, and then my brother is going to be 14 this year. All right, so you're the middle child. I, I am the middle child. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast just about that. <laughs> Adam and I are both the oldest, so we can't relate to that, but I can tell you um, that um, I am the oldest of 12 children, and my my middle sister, because I have three sisters, definitely knows what it's like to feel like the middle child, even though um, she's, you know, the 10th out of 11. So, yeah, My parents do a really good job on, you know, keeping everybody happy, and they always try to be equal with us all, but they understand our personalities because we're all very different. Yeah, my, but... my parents have really done well with that as well. They they understand well the concept that love multiplies. So that's great. Um, in your video that I saw recently, you talked a lot about how your relationship with God has been challenged and changed and grow, has grown through um, this experience. So can you talk about your personal relationship with God? Um, kind of how did that begin and, and, and how, how has it grown through the years? I was actually born and raised in UPC, um, Pente um, Pentecostal is what the category would be under. But um, I was born and raised in church all 21 years. But, you know, being raised in church, um, you know, you kind of you don't know why you're there or what you're doing. Your parents are like, you know, you go to church, you, do, you put your best foot forward for God, you, you know, you don't have anything. You always make sure you're dressed appropriate. You know, you act appropriate, all of what goes with it, and you never really know why you're doing it, I guess, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so you do, you kind of do what you're told, and you go through church, but you never really have, like, a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. And I think when that happens is when God's saying, hey, you know, I need to get your attention, and I don't know any other way to do it, so I've tried and obviously you're not listening, so here's my next step. And so my next step, <laughs> I guess, to say was God was probably really trying hard to get my attention, and I just, I wasn't catching the hint, so he said, you know what? We'll do it this way. And so what happened to me was I got sick. So I was the healthiest child out of all my siblings, and then I became the sickest almost overnight. All right. But... But go, actually going through church, I didn't really have a close relationship with God. I was born and raised in church. But m when I actually truly got to know God on, like, a personal level and on my level that, you know, that I can understand and I can relate to was probably about two years ago. And it's been two years kind of on my own with God. And that's, that, and that's about the time that you got sick? I got sick in October of 2012. Okay. So it took a while, even after you got sick, to get to the point of, of personally dealing with God. Um, well, that, yeah. that would lead into my next question, which was, can you walk us through your health diagnosis and some of your health journey? Oh, 
Um, well, it all started back in 2012. I was, I got my usual once a year really bad cold and infection, and so I got it in October. And a month was going on, and it was just not getting any better. It just got worse and worse and worse, and they put me on heavy steroids and antibiotics, and just it was just killing my gut, and it wasn't doing anything for me, to be honest with you. So um, one night I complained to my mom. I said, I'm just not feeling good. I said, my back is killing me. My stomach's killing me. And I said, you need to take me in. And so my mom, she took me into the emergency room, and they said, your life pace, which it can mean a number of different things, is high. And it was like, I think about 600 and something. And right then and there, I remember my mom. I, just, I remember her face. Her face just dropped, and she started freaking out. And that's kind of when the, oh, no, moment hit, where you're like, this, this isn't just going to be an easy month fix. It's going to be much, much longer than that. And so from then on, it just progressively got worse and worse. And when I started in October of 2012, I was about 200 pounds. And through the progression of the next three years from then, I dropped about 60 pounds, but granted, I wasn't eating. I was so sick. I would hardly leave my bed. Uh, only time I left my bed was when I had to travel for doctors or appointments or I had to go downstairs at our house to do schooling, which my teachers would come to my house and uh, make sure I would graduate. And so I did that for about two and a half years. I, was, I managed to graduate early. But through that time, I traveled to about six states um, in the top clinics in the country trying to figure out what was wrong. And about all of those except for one said you only meet, like, two criteria on the Rosemont, which is a pancreas test um, for issues. And they said that's not really a contributing factor of why you're this. And so at the time, they didn't know I had pancreatic divism, which I will, ex I will explain what pancreatic divism is. But they didn't know I had it, and they found it maybe two, three years ago or so, maybe two years ago. And they're like, well, maybe this could be an issue. And I had a lot of people argue it wasn't, and then maybe, and we don't know. And so... They got to the point where it's like, well, we should just investigate it because if some people say they have problems with it and some people say they don't, then couldn't I fall on the scale where I have problems with it since I'm having all these symptoms? And so I would have severe abdominal pain, back pain. Um, I would just be nauseous 24-7. And it was not really a life to live. It, it was more of a kind of just getting by where you're like, how much longer do I have to take this, you know? And um, I, I ended up in Indiana at IU um, Medical Hospital, which is where I go back for continued treatment. But they are the ones that kind of proceeded further from the findings of the pancreativism. And um, they proceeded with a unique procedure that has a 50-50 chance of working or causing worse issues. And in my case, it was worse issues. 
sadly. But um, I know a lot of people are probably wondering, what is pancreativism? Um, it's a common congenital anomaly, which is um, kind of developed during formation in the womb. Um, it is pre- it's present at birth and in the pancreatic duct. So when your pancreas is draining, because your pancreas produces enzymes to help digest your food, and... Um, the thing behind it is it's supposed to drain out of a big kind of draining tube to go and help aid, um, you know, the process of digestion to get everything out of your food that you need to run your body. And mine happens to drain out of a little duct instead of a big duct. So that can cause backup. It can cause um, the acid that, you know, the enzyme is to pretty much eat away at my pancreas so to say. And so it's present in about 10% of the population, I believe, but it, um, it turns out to have caused me problems, which not my most excited about, but you, you do what you got to do, I guess. But um, I can explain a little bit more of what causes pancreativism. Uh, The human embryo starts life with a pancreas, that is, two parts, each with its own duct, the ventricle duct and the dorsal duct. Two parts of the pancreas fuse during development in most embryos. The dorsal and the ventral ducts also will fuse and form one main pancreatic duct. The main pancreatic duct will join the common bile duct, the duct that drains the bile from the gallbladder and the liver to form a common bile and pancreatic duct, which drains into the duodenum through the major papilla. And with that being said, mine didn't really form two, I guess, so to speak. Um, In some embryos, the dorsal and the ventral ducts fail to fuse. Failure of the ventral and dorsal pancreatic ducts to fuse is called pancreativism because the pancreas is drained by two ducts. In pancreativism, the ventral duct drains into a major papilla, while the dorsal dorsal duct drains into a separate minor papilla. And so that's kind of what a pancreativism is. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, That's a lot of information. Uh, But I hope that this um, can be an encouragement to others who who may be going through similar things. And, and you know, I'm glad that you... uh, finally figured out what was wrong because that can be part of the biggest struggle when you get sick if you're going to doctor after doctor and you're not getting any answers because unless you know what's going on you don't know how to treat it so i'm glad you got to the point where you figured it out um uh can you tell us about how you're doing now i know you had a good report a couple days ago i am actually doing Phenomenal compared to what it was about 10 months ago. Um, about 10 months ago, I was—I had a major attack. Um, while I was sleepy, I woke up, and I was rushed to the hospital, and I was in and out of consciousness. And then I was air from San Antonio to Indianapolis Hospital, where I had my um, procedure that caused complications, which is called an ERCP. And that is where they open the duct 
for the pancreas to visit that's really small to help it drain. And so they open it and they put a temporary stint in that eventually falls out and it's supposed to help your duct drain better. Well, my procedure I had in June, it did not have that effect. Mine caused um, major complications. I had to get a blood transfusion. I was on um, around-the-clock pain pumps. I mean, everything you could think could go wrong went wrong. And so I was dealing with that, and I managed to recover enough to where I got to fly home on my 21st birthday. And from then on, I was doing okay. And about six days after my sister's birthday in August, so August 16th is when I had my major attack. And they think that it was caused because of not putting a feeding tube in to let my pancreas rest completely. But then when you ask them, they're like, well, we don't know. So I have had about three feeding tubes. I've had about nine relapses. And um, I've been on high doses of opioids and narcotics. And so I've had several months of hospitalizations. So it's just been back to back to back to back. And it was nonstop kind of assault on my body. And uh, not just your body, but your soul, too. And you're just kind of like, I'm just tired. And so that my life was that for about nine to ten months of just being in and out of the hospital, temporarily relocating, trying to get better and get treatment. And it was not a very happy time, I will say. But I don't really recall a lot of it because of how... Um, medicated they kept me to keep me kind of comfortable well I gotta say this really puts life into perspective next time I'm I'm struggling with my daily pains and not wanting to get out of bed in the morning to go to work I will probably remember your story and not feel quite so overwhelmed um, uh, this is it's it's an eye-opening account and I really appreciate you being open and honest with us and I know a few months back when I first approached you uh, with the idea of being on the podcast you were still kind of on the mend trying to get to the place where you could do something like this and so I really am thankful to God that um, uh, you are you are here on the show and I've been grateful that we've been able to connect and and, uh, that we're getting to know one another it's meant a lot to me and so thank you very much. Um, Adam, thank, you've been... Thank you. Uh, no problem. Adam, you've been sitting here listening to this story and taking it all in. What you, um, is there anything that you uh, have to say or to ask, um, Ashlyn? Well, that's definitely step one. I've just kind of been wrapping my mind around all that. You know, I got a headache a couple of days ago and it was the end of the world. So <laughs> after hearing this, uh, wow, you, you're a strong person. Um through that, what what would you say, Ashlyn, is like the biggest lesson you've learned through the past five years of going through this? I learned. <laughs> it took a lot for me to kind of get to where I am, to where my thinking is a little bit different than everybody else's. But I, through this whole process, I've always tried to keep an uphill spirit to be like, you know what? It's only temporary. That's what I say to everything. You can ask anybody who meets me. I'm like, it's just temporary. It's not permanent. Nothing is permanent. Like, looks aren't permanent. Your situation's not permanent. Being sick is not permanent. It's only if you make it permanent. But it really, it's not permanent. 
I've been so blessed throughout this whole process, and I've been at the happiest I could be considering my circumstances, but I don't want to look back on my life and go, man, I wish I wasn't, you know, that way when I was dealing with this. I wish I would have done it differently. So with me being able to be so upbeat and so happy and so positive, considering my circumstances, it's helped me, but I've also been able to help other people who have kind of watched me go through what I've gone through. And I didn't want to kind of share (laughs) my story with people. And I kept it quiet for like four years. I kept my battle and my illness quiet from everybody else from outside the world. It was just my family that kind of knew. And with kind of the last 10 months happening to me, it's kind of pushed me out of my shell. And I've been able to meet such amazing people, Andrew included, and God's blessed me so much, and I'm just so blessed, and I can't really complain just because I was sick. Yes, my situation was bad, but it always could be worse. And so that's what kept me going was, you know what, it's bad, but it could be worse. And you know what, I'm doing pretty well right now, so we're just going to keep going, keep fighting, and see where God takes me. If he's ready for me, then you know what, I'll go. Until then, I'm not going to stop fighting. That's that's really... Uh, that's really the way I have come to approach life as well. You know, um, I've had people tell me, well, if you had enough faith, you could get out of your wheelchair. And the thing that I always tell people is, God has given me a platform through this wheelchair to minister to him, or minister for him, and if it, and if, and if it becomes an impediment to that, and he chooses to heal me, then great. Um, but until that time, I will say uh, with all my heart, his grace is sufficient for me, uh, for my strength is made, or for his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And that's really been my testimony, and that's, you know, really been something that I've tried to convey through the Speaking for Him podcast, especially over the last couple of months as, as I've opened up a little bit more of my life and, and talked about my personal journey with my disability on the show, something I hadn't um, really thought of doing uh, because the focus of of speaking for him is not necessarily my triumph over my disability, but it definitely is something that I can share and hopefully encourage a lot of other people. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity um, to have this avenue. And uh, like I said, I like to share other people's stories. So I'm grateful that you took the time to share with us. Um, so how can we pray specifically for you at this juncture? I just, I pray that God keeps blessing me and opening doors to where I'm able to bless and help other people. Because um, through my whole process, it's kind of helped me, guide me where I need to go with my life and my future. And on my heart's with people. I love people. And I want to see them get their miracles and then get healed and then be blessed and prosper because that's what God's done to me. And he still works miracles, even though some people go, no, no, he doesn't. I am living proof. I mean, I have a miracle story of my own that I was laying in a hospital. I was laying on an operating table, and um, the procedure I had, the same procedure I had in June, I wigged out on the table. I had a massive panic attack while they were putting me under. And um, I remember my parents, when they came in and said, her pancreas is really bad. They're like, it's 
they're like, it's not what it looked like a month ago. They said it got worse, and we're going to have to go and have multiple procedures, put metal stents in, and my parents were just not going to have it. So they would have preachers come in, and they would put scriptures on the wall. And ultimately, to have the procedure was my choice. And I said, let's go through with it. But I said, I want you to pray over me before you even touch me. I said, knock me out, but you you have to pray over me before you touch me with um, kind of the scalpel and everything. And they said, we could do that. And so I wrote them a letter. And my parents do not know what it says, but they're going to hear what it says now because I'm going to tell everybody here. I wrote on a letter. I wrote Jeremiah 29.11. I also wrote a note for my doctor and everybody in the room that was going to be involved in my care and making sure that my procedure would go smoothly. And I did a prayer that I said, um, went along the lines of, Lord, bless their hands that they um, work in perfect conjunction and that they have everything under control, that you are in control of them and there will be nothing but a great and wonderful outcome to this. And I told them I was praying for them. I said, everybody on Facebook and the social media world was praying for them in their hands. And so I did the letter for that, not just for them, but for me, that was like, my God, I trust you. And it took me five years to get to where I said, God, I'm done. I trust you. And they told my parents, they said, her pancreas looks completely healthy. They're like, you can't even tell. So they did a temporary cut, and they did a little cut, removed scar tissue, and then they did a temporary stint and placed it in, and they said, she should be good to go. I said, well, they're going to keep me there for observation, of course, but they said, this does not look like what we saw on the scan a couple of days ago. Wow. And uh-huh. So that's when my life kind of just did a 180, to be honest with you. That's when I started getting better. Um, I did have a minor attack while I was there just because the pancreas is such a touchy, touchy organ. Um, but from then on out is when I just started making strides and recovering mm. like crazy. And so that was my miracle moment. And I can attest that God does miracles. I've seen it. I've lived it. And I'm a firm believer in that. I don't believe in instantaneous miracles because... If we were to get those, you would lose them just as fast as you got them. God puts you through a situation for a reason. It's a lesson to be learned, but it's also to show you it's going to be okay. He's got it. You just have to have faith and you have to trust, even though it's so hard. But it's all worth it. Well, I've definitely seen some miracles, and even recently a miracle in the life of a friend of mine, and I won't go into detail here because I don't have permission to share it. Um, But I just know that short of a miracle, um, she wouldn't still be in my life, and I'm very grateful that God is a miracle-working God. And I think the hard part for us is that we we do have to to be willing... um, be willing to be willing to accept whatever answer he gives. You know, part of my testimony is the fact that when I came to know Christ as a young boy, um, I didn't wake up the next day and with an, the ability to walk and the ability to get out of my wheelchair. I still had to live with a wheelchair as a daily reality. Um, and it took me nine years to figure out that 
um, it was a re- a daily reminder of my dependence on God, not a burden um, that He was just asking me to carry for no reason. So that's something that really speaks to me. But I definitely thank I'm definitely thankful for for God's working of miracles, and you know I'm I'm thankful that the way that He threads people together, and the fact that we were we were able to connect, and and I just I've been very encouraged by you over the last week or so especially so i want to thank you again for that um do you have any goals going forward for the future any any uh, more specific goals i know you talked a little bit in general terms uh oh man i have a giant list i felt like you know what five years of my life would come to a halt so i have a giant bucket list i would love to complete um i've already got to check one thing off my list was i got to go flying um, and a smaller aircraft, not a giant, giant one. I got to go flying a small one, and that was so exciting. That was when it's like, God's really there. Mm, but cool. I want to be able to go and travel and help people and pray for people and just kind of show how much I've been blessed and be able to bless others is what I would really love to do. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that you'd like to leave us with today? I do. Um, it's, called, it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an unexpected end. All right. So God has a plan, and you know, I I really like that verse as well. And just just the reminder um, that God God has a plan and He works it out. I mean, I'm also reminded of the proverb that says, "A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps." Often it's not um, a straight line like we hope it will be, um, and it, there's often twists and turns. I know, especially for me, after I graduated from college, there was definitely there definitely been some diversions from my original plan uh, for my life. But God's plan is the best, and I'm I'm learning uh, day by day to rest in that. All right, well, um, we just have uh, one final question, and that is. Do you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to leave us with as we end today? I just, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you're going through, whether it's big or small, everybody goes through something in their life, whether it's young or old. We all go through a trial in our life that's kind of a moment where God's like, you know what, it's time, and I think it's, best we do it now but there's no perfect timing for things i mean when i got sick i was like this is so inconvenient (laughs) but there's never a perfect timing for anything (laughs) i mean you learn through this whole process you know you're like i'll just go with what's thrown at me and i'll take it with the greatest salt i can and just keep going you can't back down you can't quit fighting even though it seems like it's horrible right now or you're stressed out or you're just like, I can't anymore. I'm done. There's an end to it. You just have to keep fighting and keep pushing and be, be happy. I know it's hard to be happy in considering some circumstances, but it will help you so much just by looking at the brighter side of things rather than the most depressing, most gloomy side because it doesn't get you anywhere. I mean, it just kind of makes it matters worse. So always try to look at the bright side of things. Always be blessed because God's blessing you whether you know it, you see it, 
he's always blessing you by the people he brings in your life, the small things like a parking spot or whatever. He's always watching you. He always loves you. He's never intending to hurt you or watch you suffer. He doesn't find joy in that. Mm. And it's hard to come to terms with that, but it's so very true. He just wants the best for you and to see the best and see you prosper and help others and bless others and share your story with them. And everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. That's a good good note to end on. Adam, um, before we let Ashlyn go, do you have any final words? Boy, oh boy. Uh, what's left to be said after that? <laughs> uh, Ashlyn, thank you for your attitude. And I, I want to say your testimony because that's really what this has been. Uh, thank you for being an encouragement to us and, and, and listeners. And um, know that we are continuing to pray for you and that God may continue to be a light through you in those future plans you have. I can't wait to hear when you go on that flight later in the podcast that we check back in. I'm excited to see where my next bucket list item takes me, and I'll make sure to keep everybody updated. Yeah, that sounds great, and I definitely hope that the next time uh, we do something like this, it will be in person, one way or another. Hopefully. (laughs) Have a good evening, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. God bless you guys. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of the Speaking for Him podcast. Please use the contact information at the end of the show to let us know what you think. Um, If you have any feedback for Ashlyn, we can make sure that she receives it. And we will make sure um, to keep you updated on her progress as things go forward. Um, That's all I have for you this week. But remember um, to keep serving the best of masters and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.